Once again, welcome everyone. Really a delight to see all of you and looking forward to have this time together. And this time, this evening, as we gather together, I'd like to share with you a classical teaching that is uh, uh, these three words, gratification, drawback, and escape. So the gratification, the drawbacks, the escape. And before I get into the details of it, I want to lay the foundation of, of how to explore this that I find really helpful. For me to get a feeling sense of it, what I have to remember is right, my life, your life, all of our lives, in truth, they're so incredibly short. They're brief. You know, as uh, Czesław Miłosz, the, the great Polish poet said, he said, the partition separating life from death is so tenuous. The unbelievable fragility of our organism, organism suggests a vision on a screen, a kind of mist that condenses itself into a human shape, lasts a moment and scatters. This is the fact of our lives, right? Is, is our lives, and I love this imagery of it, condensing, like it's condensed into this human form and then eventually it will scatter. The fragility, the, the brevity of our lives. And given this brief, precious life of yours, I think it's so important to come back to this question again and again, which is, What's most important to you? What brings you deep contentment in your life? I find that these are essential questions for a spiritual journey or a spiritual path. Not so much to believe, you know, some kind of religion or any kind of idea, but really you getting clear about what is important to you in this brief life of yours, and what does bring you deep contentment? And to explore that, to, to run the experiment. Does this give me deep, deep contentment? Does that? And I want to acknowledge that, you know, all of us, if we were to take some time to hear what's most important to you or how you would articulate or bring language to what brings you most contentment, it would be different. And yet I, I want to use a phrase as a kind of catch-all, even though yours might not fit in this, just to come back to it again and again. And it's this brief poem by Pablo Neruda, where I feel like he, at the end of the poem, hopefully you'll hear the clarity, he gets clear what's most important to him. So this is what he says. He says, we, we the mortals, touch the metals, the wind, the ocean shores, the stones, knowing they will go on, inert or burning. And I was discovering, naming all of these things. It was my destiny to love and say goodbye. T 
you hear what's important to him in this precious life to love and to say goodbye? I think there's a lot of wisdom there. And I'm going to use that really as a, a kind of a catch-all of what possibly could be important in your life. Not that you would use that language, but just to, to come back to that. And also remember, you know, this, this is something that, that inspired, I think, the Buddha. Here he is, you know, the beginning of the Buddha's life is the story where he's living in this palace. He has this opulent life. And still he's not content. He's not content with a very pleasurable life. And it was a, you could say gratifying or pleasant life, but what he realized is there's not a lot of well-being and contentment there. And this is what, what fueled his search for spiritual awakening, fueled his search for a deeper contentment. And I think what he started to see was because how the mind is relating to pleasant experiences, and we're gonna come back to this again and again. And it was through seeing this, he discovered the spiritual path and practice that allowed his heart, his mind to relate to experiences differently, which you could say brought more ease and contentment. So this is the, the foundation. And now what I wanna do is unpack this teaching because it's gonna fit into this of the gratification, the drawbacks and the escape. And we wanna get a sense of, of how this relates to honoring what's most important to you or, or how does it relate to or teach me how to love and say goodbye using Pablo Neruda's language. And hopefully you can hear just in these language, this language, like for example, gratification, you could say we're, we're just taking one side of the equation, which is how we relate to pleasant experiences, how we relate to unpleasant experiences, We'll see, maybe a few, a, few, a few talks down the road, but pleasant experiences, we wanna explore this, but I, I wanna uh, uh, confine it to that. So gratification, when the Buddha talks about gratification in this teaching, it, it's a word that uh, points to simply that there are pleasurable experiences in life, just that. When you, when you hear the word gratification, I want you to think, oh, okay, this is referring to that which is pleasant, the pleasant experiences in my life. And, and to keep it that simple. And I wanna point out, like when the Buddha talks about gratification in this way, he's not saying that you should, should not experience pleasure or that you have to avoid pleasure. It's just stating the fact that this is part of the human experience. And it's also beginning this particular exploration, not with some kind of belief you have to have, but something experiential. Right? Everyone here, hopefully, probably, you've had pleasant experiences in your life, right? Maybe at times it brings some joy and happiness. There are maybe gratifying at times, these pleasant experiences. It's just, the human experience. And then I feel like in this teaching, the Buddha's like, you should run the experiment to become curious and to also be honest with yourself 
can you ask the question to yourself, are there any drawbacks at times or downsides in these experiences of pleasure? And you might ask, well, why should we ask this question? And the reason I'm posing this question is because of what I began with. Our lives, your life is incredibly short. It's fragile. It's precious. And I want to propose that asking this question and addressing the possible drawbacks and downsides to the pleasant experiences that course through your life leads, it's going to lead, right, to to possibly, at least this is the rumor, you got to find out if it's right or not, to a deeper happiness, a deeper sense of, uh, of contentment. Because we might just be hooked by things that we've been taught by society and not really examined it. So let's take an example here. Often being liked by others, being affirmed by others is a pleasant experience. Like when somebody shows us kindness, they really like us in a way. I find it to be a really sweet experience when, when people are kind to me, when they like me in some manner. It's pleasant and connecting. You know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't get too philosophical here, right? It's, it's nice to have friends that, that love us and like us. Yet, maybe you've noticed at times, if I'm, when, when I obsessively want this, my life can become miserable. And it's the wanting more and more and more of it that's the problem to the point where if I get to the point where I desperately need it in order to feel contentment, well, that's a setup, isn't it? And I wanna point out, again, there's nothing wrong with finding the sweetness of being liked and feeling kindness from others. As I said, it's sweet. It's more about how, how is my mind relating to that? What is it heaping onto that experience? So the drawback isn't, in the experience there, it's how the mind's relating to it. Oh, there could be a downside depending upon how I'm taking this. Being liked by others, sweet and pleasant. Boy, but if I get lost in the wanting of it, the craving of it, it can be a drag, right? Yet when there's this unrealistic demand in my heart that it always should be this way, Every single person that I come across should like me. <laughs> That's a tough one. And that you could say is the definition of craving, of being entangled in a pleasant experience. Again, nothing wrong with a pleasant experience, but now I'm not savoring it, right? Often I talk about savoring, enjoying, and that's different than being all like tangled up in it. It's like coming back to Pablo Neruda. Can you learn to love, maybe be loved without grasping? And when the time comes to say goodbye to that experience. Do you hear how that's different? To love and say goodbye, to love and be loved and say goodbye when the experience passes away. It's so radically different than that entanglement.
and that's the escape from these drawbacks, not, not to be in a desperate kind of fight with this, to be fluid, to love and be loved and know that there's gonna be a time to say goodbye. Really, I'm inviting us to learn to love instead of to grasp. And what I've realized with this teaching is for myself that there, there's some experiences like this one being liked that I can continue to engage in. And I just need to continue to examine how the heart is relating to it. Am I savoring it, opening it up when somebody's showering me with kindness? Or is there a kind of entanglement where I'm just lost in wanting more of it? Am I learning to love instead of grasping? And yet there's other experiences when pleasant experiences that when I stop engaging in them, I do stop engaging them because I see the drawbacks and I want a deeper contentment. And I know no other way. There's not like a space for savoring, at least for me. And it's a place to drop things away. Like one example of this, you know, when I began to deeply explore meditation and Buddhism, you know, I really, I was getting into it. This is over 30 years ago now. I still liked, probably like is uh, a little less. I love smoking pot every now and then. <laughs> it was gratifying, getting high, and also the kind of the community of getting high. I don't know what, what it's like smoking weed now, but back then is <laughs> a very communal kind of thing, you know? It was, there was such a, a community of sharing as, as far as that goes. And, also just because of so many kind of my social anxieties and not feeling I could fit in. There was like, oh, there's this community. Okay, we had some issues, but it was a community where there was this feeling of connection. But then what started to happen was this process of disenchantment where I got more and more connected with meditation in this path and more of a, a deeper sense of contentment. And there was a kind of a clear, more vibrant quality of in my mind and heart I could notice when I wasn't using. And then I started to realize, oh, getting high, it was pleasant. Maybe I'll even say the word gratifying. But what became super clear is this is definitely not fulfilling for me. And it felt like it was pulling me away from this path and this practice. And I'll be honest with you, you know, during the first couple of years of practice, quite honestly, it was, it was tough to stop for a while. And it was this weird thing. It was like, even though it started to become less and less pleasant and gratifying getting high, it was like, what was strong was the craving, the wanting, which is such an interesting experience where something you know is actually not that pleasant and you have the experience in it of it being not that pleasant. I think this is how addiction works a lot. This is what I was really experiencing. And yet I go back there, like the wanting is driving my life. The craving is. Just as a side note, this is why sometimes I like to, it's easier to give this kind of teaching in, in a kind of community of recovery. Cause like folks in recovery so get this dynamic of like craving and entanglement and know what it's like to let go of that and to start to see it of how freeing that is and starting to start to 
notice the difference between a merely pleasant experience and one that you're caught up in. And I, I want to be clear when I share this, just as this is just my experience of marijuana. I'm not here to dictate how to live your life. You got to figure that out. You know, some people use it medicinally and it really works for them or recreationally. I'm just speaking about my own experience and my own journey around craving, around entanglement. So again, this is not, I'm not here to moral, you know, give you some kind of moralistic teaching. I think that's not the community that we're trying to, to cultivate here. It's really one of acceptance and exploration and allowing people to be on their own paths and discover what they discover. And I want to point out, this can be around the simplest of experiences. And this is, as a practitioner, this is what I want to get curious about because my life is so brief. It's like donuts. Like, I love the idea of eating donuts. I don't know why, but it's like, when I think of like something that is is pleasant, I think of donuts. And it, I know it's strange, but just the word, like even right now, when I say donuts, like there's something that gets kind of this feeling of like, wow, that would be so sweet right now. That'd be so nice to eat some donuts. And I imagine it would be so deeply satisfying and gratifying. Yet each time I eat a lot of donuts, I feel pretty bad. <laughs> and yet I imagine that it's going to be a great experience. But in actuality, it isn't. And I love this. This is what I love about science. They did a study on this, not on donuts. It'd be great if they did a study on donuts, but I don't know if they have. Where uh, the researchers, actually, you might, some of you might know some of these research, like Daniel Gilbert, Tim Wilson, Daniel Kenneman, and George Lowenstein had done a bunch of different studies around discovering that our minds commonly imagine we're going to be happier around a pleasant experience than we actually end up being which I think is so interesting. This is kind of like around the donut experience, but like getting a new car or a new relationship or new jewelry or new shoes, our minds can habitually think that they're, those experiences are gonna make us pretty happy, but they actually don't, not as happy as we believe them to be. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with new shoes, for example. How is your mind imagining the place of new shoes in your life? That's, that's what we're starting to explore. Can I just be honest with myself of how that experience is going to land for me? And being aligned with that. And often what happens with these experiences, right? We get the, the hit of the, the pleasant experience. And then even though you could say the shoes don't change. My mind relates to them differently and the pleasantness of them goes away. This is so important, I think, to begin to become curious about if we're wanting to live our lives that's in alignment that's with what's most important to us, like using Pablo Neruda's language. If, if what's most important to me is to love and to say goodbye, then I need to do this investigation. And, and I also need to acknowledge like the odds are against us, aren't they? 
when you think of social media advertising, it's designed to make you believe that you're going to be happier and more satisfied with this or that than actually you're going to be. Because that's what drives it. That's what drives consumerism. So good advertising increases wanting. It increases craving. It increases entanglement. That's how it works. Potato chips, Oreo cookies, M&Ms, donuts, pizza. If you're like me, I have to be careful about projecting here. But for some of us, when you hear those words, even the words, right, they've been queued up in particular ways. Oh, that would be kind of nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. But that would be nice. What that is, is I'm not saying it would be a nice, pleasant experience. It, it says, I want it. I crave it. My life would be better. And the list goes on. The Netflix binge, right? Watching Netflix episodes, can't stop. Social media, right? Can be fueled by the fear of missing out. I, I want to see what that other person is saying to what I posted or their posts. Email, texts, the news, keeping you cooked, you know, kind of hooked to the next catastrophe or the next political fight. It's all around. I think it's important to see that again and again, because I know that I can start to become blind to that. This push of wanting more and more and more. Does you remember the, the maybe the, the, the Lay's potato chips jingle, you know? But you can't just eat one Lay's and not want more and more. <laughs> They're made that way. And to acknowledge on the systemic level, often the engagement in consumerism, almost always, is at the expense of others' well-being. That's how the system is set up. Others' well-being, including not only other human beings, but at the expense of our Mother Earth and many other species. So I, I just want to point out, craving and entanglement takes a toll on our own lives and the world that we live in. It makes me forget what I really want. My aspiration to love, and when the time comes, to say goodbye. That's a different way of being in the world, to love rather than to crave. And I also want to point out, hopefully you're hearing this in my language, this craving I'm talking about is very different, for example, than having a deep passion to transform yourself or to transform your community. It's, it's a different than having a wholesome desire to move your, your life forward that gives a momentum to your life, that gives drive to your life. Those are really good things to have in our lives. But you might notice when there's a refinement 
and kind of a refined passion. Actually, I think I gave a talk about this a, a few months ago. It feels really different than craving and entanglement. I'm talking about craving and entanglement. This wholesome passion and wholesome desire, there's a place for it and it's needed. And I'm not saying pleasant experiences are miserable. When I start to explore this, what I start to learn is there's a way to savor rather than get entangled. And yet it comes through this practice that we come back to again and again. And, you know, there's more nuance to when the Buddha talks about the drawback or drawbacks. And he says the drawback, the way it's described is a little bit nuanced, but he, he says that, that pleasant experiences really in essence, they're not permanent, they're not perfect, and they're not personal you, personal, you could say in this context, not mine to keep. And it's like when my heart and mind doesn't realize that, then that's when I start to get hooked by craving. I want the experience of the donut to be permanent. I want the pleasant aspect of it right before it hits my stomach. Like when, it's, when I'm chewing on it and swallowing, it's super pleasant. But then my stomach, yeah, you know. So, so it's like I, I want that to stick around. And I want it to be perfect. I want it to be the perfect donut experience. But it's not. And it's not mine to keep. It changes. Those of you interested, this, this is really what this uh, study group that I'm going to be offering in a couple of weeks is about these three, you could say, perceptions or things we want to get around experience. And again, this is why I need to learn to love instead of grasping, to learn to love and say goodbye when the time comes. And what's the escape? I need to start to see the cycle in my own life, even in the, in the subtle ways. Because when I start to really see it deeply, letting go can happen. It's like, just as with weed for me, is like there's a kind of disenchantment, like this isn't worth it anymore to me. I, I'm not willing to do this. Like, and, and it just became a natural letting go because it, it wasn't something that was even pleasant anymore. Like when, this is a time when often these things can come up, right? You get home from work and you want to relax and take a break. It's important to notice that dynamic or cycle that might be going around of wanting a hit of this or that. And instead taking some time. What's a skillful way of relaxing and taking a break that supports a deeper sense of living? Why don't you take a break and relaxing? Wonderful. And there's gradations to this. How can you explore that in a way that feels onward leading? That supports what's important to you. Not because of what somebody, somebody else says is good or bad, but how does it fit with what's important to you? Because again, I'm, I'm not here to dictate something. I'm just here to Describe some things that might perk up some questions for you, some reflections. And then what you find, what you find, I want to support that. Or maybe you want to connect to others. How is that going to be deeply fulfilling rather than, as I was using the word, gratifying? Through Facebook, through texts, 
through a walk, through a phone call, to consider, of course, the complexity of the circumstances, but what works for your heart when you slow down? Not just the habit, but what's fulfilling. So hopefully you're hearing this is an invitation to an exploration. And yeah, what I've found is it takes self-compassion because I'm gonna bump into all these places where I don't wanna bring in a lot of awareness. It's sometimes my habitual tendencies that I wanna exile in some way. Yet those are the things I wanna look at, like my relationship to my phone. Like so often the way I pick up my phone is so habitual. Right, it's been, but I, <laughs> I don't want to continue with that in terms of my values in my life. And yet, of course, phones are important. I'm not saying that we should throw them away. But just to become curious, and it, it requires a softening of my heart towards myself to, to get a sense of how do I have this phone and relate to it in a more skillful way. It's always a work in progress. Self-compassion when we bump into these places. So again, just to end from Chezwav Miwosht, the partition separating life from death is so tenuous. The unbelievable fragility of our organism suggests a vision on a screen, a kind of mist condenses itself into a shape, lasts a moment and scatters. And I'm asking you, what, what will you do with this precious brief life of yours? What's important to you? And then Pablo Neruda, we, the mortals, touch the metals, the wind, the ocean shores, the stones, knowing they will go on inert or burning. And I was discovering naming all these things. It was my destiny to love and say goodbye. So can you learn to love without grasping and when the time comes to say goodbye? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.